Welcome back to Hire, everybody. The podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. Because we've all been there, haven't we? It's time to get unstuck. It's time to make some change. It's time to lead. And it's time to hit that funky beat, Nikki Simmons. Oh, yeah. my god what is it marriage equality was just voted into the swiss constitution september 2021 is the month where it's all happening i know the revolution has begun people and the new zealand supreme court just blocked a massive seabed mining operation off the south taranaki coast my heart it sings so good you just mentioned revolution shall we give the kids another little taste of it Oh, we must. You see, we are all too often told that the brave thing to do is to collect our values, pack up our affairs, and leave the job that doesn't currently feel right. But the way in which we do this matters, and it needs to be a move of empowerment and not one of tragic escape under cover of darkness. And to be empowered, we must be certain that it's the right thing to do. Which is why, for today's episode, we have the uniquely talented Carson Tate on the show. Employee engagement expert, founder of Working Simply Inc., author of her most recent book, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, and Overall Brilliant Human Being. I mean, that accent though, Nikki. <laughs> yeah, of course. And here to tell us how to make your job your dream job, or at least see if it can be before you pack things and run. Let's go. Yes. We've got Carson in the building today. Ah, oh, yes. Can't wait for this one, Tom. And no, neither can I. Thank you so much for joining us, Carson. And as always, and our audience is probably yawning on the other side of uh, well, the audio device that they're using to consume this podcast, because we always ask our guests to do a quick elevator pitch about themselves um, up some tall building. And I've done my homework today, actually, because you're from Charlotte, Carson, and or you're living in Charlotte. And I've looked up the highest building in Charlotte is the Bank of America Corporate Center at... Uh, 265.5 meters. So take mm. the elevator and let us know who you are. Yes. So great to be with you, Carson Tate. I'm the managing partner of a firm based in the U.S. called Working Simply. And we have the pleasure and privilege of helping Fortune 500 companies amplify their team performance, really up-level their leadership skills, engage their teams, and help their workforce be more productive. I'm the author of two books, Own It, Love It, Make It Work, which we're going to talk about today. It's the mm -hmm. newest one. And my prior book called Work Simply. I started my career in financial services, did a stint in a sales role for Big Pharma, and launched my own business about 10 years ago. Wow. Amazing. We are so happy to have you on. And we have had a sneak peek at your book. So we will <laughs> definitely be talking about that later. Um, now, Carson, we do always ask our guests to save some of their top tips of what the audience should implement immediately or can implement immediately after listening to the show. So please hold them back. Okay. Don't okay. tell us all the secrets to it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I've got them reserved. They're on a special <laughs> note. Good, good. Very good. We love that. Now, the first part as well, we always go through a little bit of myth busting. Um, and the first part, we wanted to talk a little bit about social media and social media being 
dripping with things like five signs that it's time to leave your job, take the power back and leave your nine to five, unfulfilled at work, time to spread your rings and fly, you know, all these sort of things. So can we can we talk about this a little bit and and what you feel about this? Off you go. Absolutely. So yes, and so my point here is that if you do want to leave your job, wherever you go, there you are. So if you are unclear on what you really don't like at your current job, what you need to be fulfilled and engaged and happy at work, if you haven't done that type of introspection and getting that type of clarity, the next job isn't guaranteed to be better. And I would say your selection process of the new job, which would be the culture, the company, and the manager is not going to be as well informed. Mm, yeah, it's fair enough. I just I love these um, I love these points because we we're busy on social media. We're trying to build our little podcast empire here, and it's just a very seductive place to mm. be in and to think that these really harsh um, solutions are going to make us happy. But there's obviously a couple of steps in advance that we should all go to to introspect and to figure out what's our skill set. Absolutely. Where do you want to go? And and I think Tom and Nikki, that's an easy button to just quit. It's an easy button to just um, quit. And you never know if you're actually just going to jump from the frying pan into the fire. <laughs> yes. You, well you know. said. So we have another delicious adage, and it is people leave managers and not organizations. So now I personally believe that there's a morsel of truth in this. You know, managers do have a lot of power over our sense of job fulfillment, um, you know, as there's truth in most adages. But here is my major but. It makes me personally feel quite disempowered and really at the mercy of forces that appear to be entirely beyond my control. So what is your take on this? Are we the hapless victims of, you know, managers of whom we demand that there be mind readers um, deciding how fulfilled we can be at work? Absolutely not. So my (laughs) approach is that you as a team member, as an employee, have an equal and powerful voice in the relationship with your manager and with your company because you bring things to the table, your skills, your experiences, your competencies, your relationships. And so I think about the relationship between our company and our manager and us Mm. as a team member as a social contract which is based on social exchange theory, give and take. And just like any relationship with a partner or a friend, there's give and take. It's the exact same thing in the relationship with your employer. And if it is not a mutually beneficial relationship, I'm going to ask, what's your piece of the action? So does your manager know what you need to be fulfilled and engaged? Your manager, I love that you included this, is not a mind reader. They don't know what skills you want to develop. They don't know that you're looking for a sponsor. They don't know that you have this strength that they didn't even know you had that you would like to use. You have an equal and powerful voice. Oh, I love that. And it's you've just bridged very nicely into our next section. And we spoke a lot at our pre-call about, you know, all the different things we can talk about, which were multiple. We could have gone on for hours, I'm sure. But we've broken it up to, into a couple of sections. And the first part is exactly what you just said, mind readers. So let's get a little bit practical. And we have scenario one here. And the pickle is that (laughs) right so we're feeling a little bit of lack of fulfillment at work we're overworked we're not getting the projects we want or the opportunity to really shine and show the skill sets that we have and whether we like it or not 
I suspect most of us have caught ourselves quietly asking, why is no one seeing me? Why is nobody coming to the rescue? Why is no one reading my mind? Right. (laughs) So before we dive into practical solutions out of this, could you read us some uh, some parts of the book of your experiences and tell us patterns that often underpin, underpin this sense of helplessness and why people feel like this from your experience? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I hated one of my jobs. I had a terrible boss micromanager would stand over my cubicle as I made outbound cold sales calls. Mm. Doesn't get probably any more miserable than that. (laughs) I didn't really like what I was selling. The office space was dull and gray and smelled like mildew. Everything about this job was terrible. Oh my God, I can smell it. Oh, it was <laughs> terrible. And he was just ugh, awful. We had a little check-in sheet. You had to check in and out for lunch. No, no oh who has a clipboard by the door? No, we're not, you know, in, in preschool. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I got stuck in this loop of it's all about my manager. It's all about the work that I'm doing. It doesn't have meaning. It doesn't have purpose. I'm a clog in the wheel. Everyone hangs up on me. I learned all these new curse words I didn't know. (laughs) Terrible. But what I had done is I had outsourced my engagement, my fulfillment, my career development, and what I knew to be meaningful and purposeful in work Mm. to him. It's not his responsibility. And so I had to reframe and get really clear on how do I want to grow? I want to develop my sales skill set. So what are you going to do, Carson? Well, there was a great sales guy who sat three cubicles next to me. I proactively went to him and asked, do you mind if I shadow you on some calls? Would you listen to some of my calls and give me some feedback? Then I thought about the work that I did, and what I realized is that I sold to predominantly women, entrepreneurs for the first time, and if I didn't reach out to them and create this opportunity for them to come to, this was like a trade show, think of it as a very large trade show, they wouldn't launch their business. Mm -hmm. I can get behind women launching business, Mm -hmm. but I had to take ownership. I had to reframe. My manager was not any less of a jerk, but as my sales performance went up, there was a lot less him hovering and breathing hot air down my neck. (laughs) And I started to develop the skills that I wanted so I could transition to my next job. Okay, this is brilliant. See, I mean, so for everybody out there, Nikki mentioned this just now, but we always have a quick pre-chat with any of the guests that we bring on because what we want to ensure is that we don't just bring motivational and aspirational content, but we actually want to give you some practical insights on how to, um, you know, crack some of these difficult nuts that you might experience in your career. And, you know, Carson is a natural. So the next question is not going to be a difficult one for you to answer. So a step beyond this idea of mm-hmm. self-empowerment um, mm-hmm. and to have a, you know, have a in career and discuss how to actually do it. So for anybody yes. wanting to go to work tomorrow, for example, and engage their management and show them what they need to perform at their best and ensure the longevity of the social contract that you spoke about, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the steps that you recommend they should take to do this really uncomfortable thing, You know, take responsibility and talk about their needs, human to human, and not just job title to job title? And I'm so glad, Tom, that you said that it is hard. And so I really want to acknowledge that this isn't comfortable. This isn't easy. Mm. And there is a process that you can follow. So I'm going to give two 
very practical things to do. The first one is to get clear on what you want and need. So I talk about in my book, these five essentials to professional fulfillment. So the Mm. first one is recognition. So the first thing I would coach you on is how do you want to be recognized for your contributions? Would you like for your manager to say thank you more? Would you like that email blast to the team? Okay, so step one, how do you want to be recognized? Step two, what are your strengths? So I realized in the job I hated that it was a pretty good communicator. And if I could leverage those more, terrible manager off my back, I'd earn more money and it might actually be more fun. So what are your strengths? And the best way to get to this is look at what do people ask you for in terms of advice or support and think about your best day at work. Mm-hmm. What happened and what did you do? So the first, how do I want to be recognized? Second, we're thinking about strengths, clarity there. Third, what relationships do I want to develop? So do I want a mentor? Do I need a sponsor or an advocate? Or is there someone over in accounting that I'd like to get to know? Because maybe I want to shift into finance. That's your third step. What are the relationships? Fourth step is to get really clear on that professional development. Where do you want to grow? In my example, I wanted to get better at sales. So I went and sat next to Toby. He was the best so I could develop. And the last one is about meaning and purpose. And that's a little bit hairier. And we're not going to do that right before our manager meeting, but know that's the fifth and final step. Mm. So now you're ready to have the conversation with your manager. You did some introspection and let's keep it really simple. We're going to start with, I just want my manager to see me and to say thank you. So I'm going to go into the conversation with my manager. Nikki, you're going to be my manager. Okay. Hi, Nikki. Hey, how's it going? Really well. Nikki, one thing that I've been working on is developing my presentation skills. I really want to be more succinct and clear in my presentations. And what I would like for you to do is if you could give me some feedback when we're in presentations together on when you hear me very clearly state the main point or the thesis. You can just give me that feedback right after the meeting. That's going to help me grow and develop. Would that be something you'd be willing to help me with? Of course. It sounds like a great idea. I'd love to hear more how you're developing. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's cool. such a dream. <laughs> I love it. That's brilliant. Uh, Tom, you wanted to say something before, I think, before uh, we go into the next part. But <laughs> well, yes, but I also want to just pause and just <laughs> absorb the beauty the beauty of this moment because the next scenario obviously is going to um throw a brick <laughs> at exactly the process that um Carson has just described but yes. what I really really do <laughs> well because we want to keep it real in the show um and not just speak and think in dream scenarios but what you've just done is to also acknowledge that while you have human to human conversations and connections at work and I very strongly believe in this for the longevity of your happiness and fulfillment you are at work and this is a business and so much mm-hmm. like you would pitch for business um, or much like you are employed to advance your business's fortunes um, your manager has to do the same and so if you want to grow and change tie it back into business performance into the way in which you can be of more service to the team and I think that's really the golden um, nugget here that you've packaged so wonderfully well in these really practical steps. So thank you. 
But Tom, the next scenario and the next part is what happens, well, when you feel like your manager hates you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pretty sure mine did. I was 100% convinced he hated me. Yes. It's not as easy to go up to them and talk to the right. Um, so yeah, the next part, and this is the pickle this time. Carson um we can't you know we're really happy to <laughs> really happy to ask you these little naughty questions and make it a bit more tough <laughs> but we see a lot of well-intended advice that we've just spoken about there right talk to your manager sounds like an obvious fabulous idea and you gave a great example but the next part is that not all managers want to listen to you talk to you <laughs> and not all of those relationships are as rosy as they we might seem or we'd like them to be so does this sound familiar and how can we tackle this situation? Absolutely. It's familiar personally. And I do not think we have a single client that we have the opportunity to work with who has not been in this situation. And our managers are people too. So they're overstretched. They're overwhelmed. Maybe they're new to leadership. They don't know what they're doing. There are whole reasons for that they might be unwilling to talk to you. And maybe they're just an asshole. I mean, you know, we have all of these real <laughs> things. So the question is. Are you going to let one manager stand between you and what you need to be fulfilled and engaged in how you want to develop in your career? Hmm. And my hope is no. So we're going to have to be creative and go around this manager. So for example, let's say I want feedback on my performance. I can't go to my manager. I don't believe that Nikki is supportive, even though she was. I don't believe Nikki's supportive and going to give me this feedback. But, you know, Tom is always in those presentations with me. And he's a colleague and a friend. I wonder if he'll give me some feedback so I can Mm -hmm. continue to advance in my professional development. Maybe I don't want to keep working for this manager. So I need some exposure within the organization to other teams, other managers to build my brand. And also see who is a great manager. So what are some committees that I could join? What are some Mm -hmm. strategic projects organizationally that I can raise my hand and volunteer for that give me that exposure, but they also give me an opportunity maybe to get some of my needs met, not -hmm. directly through this manager. And then the third one is to be thoughtful. Maybe your company has a formal mentorship program. Maybe it doesn't. That doesn't mean that you can't proactively look for a mentor, either internally in the organization or externally, to provide some of the support, feedback, and encouragement that you're not getting from your manager. I love that. Sorry, Tom, before you asked your next question, but just, yeah, asking for help around you and surrounding yourself with people who are better than you at things. You mentioned that earlier, like going to, um, what was his name again? Toby. No. Yeah, Toby. Yeah, my colleague. Toby. Yeah, who's great at sales. Yeah, like why not just go to those people and surround yourself with people who are better than you at different things? And I did, I mean, I did that as an athlete and it was the best thing I ever did. So it's a really good advice. And I think, like you said, if you're not getting support from your manager, look elsewhere and try and build that. And then you can show that you're developing to them as well. Absolutely. Oh, I want to so take this conversation a step further in this particular scenario. But first, shout out to Toby. I mean, if you're real, if it's your real name. <laughs> no, it's real. not. He, he is a real person, but that is not, that's not his name. <laughs> well, real Toby, you know who you are. And uh, we're grateful. We're grateful because, you know, your contributions have led Carson into our studio. So great times. 
<laughs> Sometimes there just appears to be a concrete ceiling. It doesn't feel like you have support. It feels like you're stuck in your position that you're in, but you still like the company. You like your colleagues. You want to stay, but you need to somehow make a move. You've tried everything, but you can't modulate the way that your current job feels. So maybe you want to transition to a different team. Or maybe you want to, um, you know, just get get into a different department. But it's very hard without the backing of the person that is supposed to endorse you. Do you have any advice for us on what you could do if there's really no support coming from that angle um, to stay with the company, but get out from under them? Mm-hmm. So two, I'm going to go back to to get out from underneath a manager. You need exposure. So how do you build those relationships for more exposure in the organization? And that's through committee work, strategic projects, uh, mentors, networking, having coffee with colleagues in different divisions. So that's step one, which we just covered. The second one is around thinking about a concept called job crafting, where you Mm -hmm know that you're in this job and you want to do more. And there are three things that you can do to make the work more meaningful while still continuing to develop that skill set. And the first one is around looking at your task or the scope and nature of your work and how do you modify it so that you're using more of a strength or you're starting to develop something new that you're interested in. So for example, we had a client who was in a marketing role, but she really wanted to be more of a project manager. So in her meetings with her manager and the team, she would fulfill the marketing role, but then she would provide very thoughtful advice on how to better manage the project in a way that was going to save them time and money. So she's still doing the job, but she's adding this additional task within the meeting to elevate and change her brand. The second piece is relationships, which I led with. What relationships do we need to develop? And then the third place, when you feel like you're at that ceiling, is to reframe the job. And this is what Hmm. I did in mine. And this is where we're looking at cognitively, how do you understand your work and the impact that it has internally within the organization, but externally. So I challenge my clients in this step to think about what would happen if you didn't do this role? What would be the impact for your teammates, your customers, your community? What is the value that you provide to your customers? What would they not be able to do if you were not providing this service or this product? How can we broaden the lens so that you can get out of my boss is terrible and won't help me grow to I'm going to take ownership and start to shift some things around myself? Amazing. No, absolutely. So much going on there. And again, Carson, you've kind of brilliantly you must have studied this episode run of show because you brilliantly <laughs> brought me into a bridge into the next our final actually scenario three um or section three making your job your dream job and this is something we spoke about a little bit um in our pre-call as well and how you know it's not just about running away like we said at the start there's definitely reasons why you can stay and should stay in companies and how you can understand and make that better your job better where you are you don't have to always run away so let's get into this final round and tom called it magic so 
<laughs> get your magic fairy dust ready, Carson, because <laughs> here's where it all comes together. And like I just said, instead of running away from the sense of something that's not fulfilling in your job, let's see what we can do to make the work fulfilling you know, once more and, and somewhere where you obviously went to, you went to this company for a reason and why not try and find out why you went there and how we get back to that point of being happy again. So there's, there is a moment when it's okay to say, well, this isn't really working for me anymore, but there are also steps where we can and should take to make sure that our decision is of empowerment, not escape. Mm -hmm. So what is the magic dust coming from Carson on this one? <laughs> <laughs> the magic dust that we're going to revisit because it's the magic dust that works for most of these is the five fundamentals mm -hmm. of professional fulfillment. So do you know your recognition and reward needs? What are your strengths? How do we leverage them more so that you're more in that flow state, you're happier and your company benefits, which means you get to do more of it. Do you know what you want to develop in terms of your skills? Do you know the relationships? Who do I want to meet? Do I want to mentor? Do I want to be on a committee? Where do I want to grow? And then ultimately this job crafting around that designing the work, taking ownership and designing it so that it works for you. That's the magic? That's the fairy dust? <laughs> that, I want the, some. Where do I get it? Where do I get it? Where do I buy it? <laughs> yes. So the key here is to ask yourself a question for each of these. So how do I want to be recognized and rewarded? I've already said that. What are your strengths? Where can I use more of them? Is there a strength I'm not using that could benefit my team and my company? What do I want to do in terms of growth and development? Is there a job I want? Or does the job maybe not exist? I'm going to create it and here's some skills. Who do I not know in my industry, in the company that I'd like to get to know? How do I put together some steps to reach out to them? And then what's the meaning and purpose? And those are those questions. Mm. What, if you weren't here and your job didn't exist, there is a ripple effect. Can you pull the lens out to see the impact that you have on your customers and your community? For anybody out there listening, you know, we always make a post on LinkedIn about every episode or on our Instagram, Go Higher podcast. We link that in the show notes below because we would love to hear if you've ever had an experience like this. To me, every single job that I've been recruited into from day one was in one way or the other different from what I had expected and what was communicated to me in the interview um, itself mm -hmm. or even the job description. Mm -hmm. um, and if not from the start, jobs morph and change automatically through your input and through your presence and through the demands of the business. So this is a good exercise to also keep your original job description with you and check in after half a year, after nine months, 12 months, and see where has it changed already? How is it different already? Did it go to a place where you wanted to go? Or is it um, leading you astray from, you know, how Carson just explained, you should, um, you should um, recreate your own job description and take it, take the power back and make it into something that you want. And my question which is completely unrelated, I just wanted to dump some knowledge, <laughs> is what are your clients struggling with the most here in your program, in your protocol? What are some of the frequent sort of hiccups that you encounter that um, our audience might relate to? You have hit the number one, which is manager won't, uh, that is the ceiling, Tom, as you described it, that cements the ceiling, they're not helpful, won't budge, manager engagement won't interact or give me the coaching and feedback, I you know, don't 
mm. feel, seen, valued, and heard. And the other one is around the clarity piece. Well, I don't, I don't know what my strengths are. I'm like, mm-hmm, you do. We can excavate them. Or <laughs> I just want to thank you. Great. Well, we've now identified how you want to be recognized. Excellent. So it's the pushback on this doesn't seem as practical and tactical. Well, it's because you're going to have to do a little introspection and there are questions you can ask, but mm. the answers are in you because there's no one size fits all to fulfillment and what you want to be, need to be happy. We got to go in and figure it out. It's yeah. all there. Just has to be excavated. And that sure. really is what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? When you're sitting it there, you're sitting there and you're already feeling a bit down <laughs> and you don't quite know. And it just, it, it's a bit brutalizing almost, but yeah. it is worth it. And getting somebody like you, Carson, um, or um, if you don't want to, well, invest the money in an external party, find a mentor internally, especially somebody who knows the organization well, because they will be able to give you language to something that you may feel okay. and know, but are not able to express yourself. Definitely. But, Mm-hmm. The other, since I get to have fairy dust, two other <laughs> things I would say, and these are not my three really tactical tips. I got those down. The other thing I challenged a client two days ago on, on Monday, like if there are no constraints, so your ego brain is not telling you can't, won't, or shouldn't, and there are no constraints in the world, what does work look like for you? Just mm. pay, if you can let go of that ego self that's going to talk or that rational self that's like, it's not possible. <laughs> and if we can at least start to play in that space, that is truly fairy dust. What's possible? What if design me your dream job? And then we can start to back into that. Now we can start to create something. The other thing I was going to suggest very tactically, if you do know either of a job or an industry, or I want a job that's a combination of this and this, pulling those job descriptions. And right now, go to online, find the job description or descriptions and have those and compare them to your current job. Mm -hmm. And now start looking for, oh, I've got that skill set. Oh, interesting. This is something I'm going to develop. And here's how I can do it in my current job. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, that's brilliant, especially, you know, being a woman, I think it just came to my head when you said, oh, I've got some of the skills, right? Going for a new job, um, women tend to have to have all of the things on the job description. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we won't go for the job. Whereas men will be like, oh, I've got two of those. Okay, Grant, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, that is 100% true. Yeah, uh, 100%. So, or I've read well, about that. And I think I have that skill because I read about it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I love that. Uh, I've heard that so many times. So I love that tip. Go in and see what you need to add to yours or at least, um, you know, at least if you have six of the 10 or whatever, you know, go for it and, and write down what you have and what skills you have as well that you can bring to the table, especially when you get into that interview room, which we've spoken about lots of times before. Um, look. Absolutely. <laughs> My mind is blown, Tom and Carson, and you've given us so much to think about. Um, it always Tom, is, isn't you it? You always have the big, you have the biggest job this week to ask. I know. Okay, wait, wait. I must compose myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. So in our little spreadsheet here, this is called the hook release, because obviously, <laughs> dear audience member, we have entrapped you by telling you that Carson's going to withhold her most precious information until the end of the episode, which we have reached now. So Carson, anybody finding themselves in any of the scenarios that we've discussed in today's episodes, what are some of the top three most practical, tactical things that they can start implementing tomorrow to get that sense of fulfillment 
um, back in the job that they're currently in so they don't have to flee from it? Yes. So the first one is we're going to overcome your brain's negativity bias. So your Mm. brain is hardwired to see the negative. This was a survival mechanism thousands of years ago, and we still do it today. Think about at the end of your day, how much you say everything that went wrong. So here's the thing to do differently. So today you're going to share two roses and a thorn with your partner, friend, dog, And you're going to verbalize it. So two roses are two positive things that happened. And the thorn is the not so positive. The challenge is to start to retrain our brain to focus on the positive. So two roses and a thorn. The, The second strategy for this brain negativity bias, if you are a commuter, every time you hit a stoplight or the next stop on the train, That is a pattern interrupt of the rumination of the shitty day you have. Oops, the bad day you had. (laughs) And you're going to, in that moment, tell yourself at that train stop, at the stoplight, one positive thing that happened at work today. And you do that on your commute home. So step one, overcome your brain's Mm -hmm. negativity bias. It's either two roses and a thorn or at each stop on the commute home. And if you're walking, it's at each block one positive thing. The second tip is doing a calendar task list analysis. Now this sounds like it's going to be hard, but it's not. And it's so fun. So you open your calendar for the work week and you look at your meetings and your task and anything that you enjoy puts you in the flow. You excel at, you can't wait to do, you want to learn more. You put a check mark or a smiley face. That's how you do. Right. Now we've got some data that we can use to start to look at strengths. What do you want to do more of? And then the third tip is just to know that we're all overwhelmed, overstretched, and want more hours in our day. So I'm going to give you two more productivity strategies. So these are Mm -hmm. super tactical because what I'm asking your listeners to do is going to take some time. So the first one is called Protect Your 90. So 90 minutes a day on that high value, really thoughtful, strategic, revenue generating, fills me up, inspires me work. Now, it's not 90 contiguous minutes, but it's 90 minutes, maybe a 30-minute block, and then maybe a 10 and a 20. You figure it out. Mm -hmm. But the power of this is that seven and a half hours in a five-day work week. You can really make progress towards your dreams, your goals, and make a significant impact in your organization. The other productivity tip is a 15-minute list. So this is a list of tasks that can be done quickly, 15 minutes or less. I have two dogs. I can call and get an appointment at the vet with them. I can prep for a one-on-one. These are quick 15-minute tasks. The power of this is twofold. One, how many times during your day are you waiting for someone, waiting for the meeting to start, I'm on the train. So this is a way to capitalize on those micro segments, those dead micro segments of your day and actually get work done. And it's a really powerful tool if you ever feel stuck in that vortex of procrastination where you don't want to do anything, either (laughs) which... I have been there. These are easy tasks and you can check them off the list. So now I've got some forward momentum. Now I've got a sense of accomplishment. I feel successful. I'm ready to tackle that next project. 
Oh, this is amazing. So much magical fairy dust. Yeah. I absolutely love this. Especially, so my to-do list is virtual. It's in my notes app on my iPhone with bright <laughs> orange buttons. And every time I hit one, it is the cheapest way to give myself some dopamine. But I do love the checklist. <laughs> Carson, um, thank you so much for your many wisdoms for being here today. This was an absolute bliss. Thank you, Tom, Nikki, for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Hey!